listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum. Welcome to the Save the Marriage podcast. This is the podcast, the original podcast designed to help you save and improve your relationship. This podcast has now been downloaded over 3 million times by people around the world who are just like you working to save their relationship no matter what state it's in right now. They're up for the challenge. You're up for the challenge. And we're here to explore ways to do that. In the last couple of episodes, I've been talking about marriage wreckers. In week one, I talked about that marriage wrecker of expectations and what happens when we have expectations. Because remember, when you have an expectation of someone, all they can do is meet that expectation, never exceed it. You know, if I say to my child, hey, you've got to be home before midnight, and they get home anytime before midnight, all they've done is met my expectation. And that's true with our kids. That's true with our spouses. When we say, I expect you to do something, they do it. They've only met an expectation. If they don't do it, they failed in that. And so that's part of the problem with this expectations that we have. They just don't work very well for people. So in that episode, I talked about both those implicit and explicit expectations, the one you know about, the ones you don't know about. I also talked about the internal and the external. Those external ones are when you say, I expect you to do this. The internal ones are where you're expecting it, but it's not a stated expectation. So we covered all of that in the first episode. In the second episode, I talked about disconnection. Pretty common thing I talk about, but how disconnection actually is a marriage wrecker and, and specific how that disconnection happens and why it is so destructive and why it gets us into trouble. So in this episode, I want to go uh, a little bit further into this whole marriage wrecker idea of what wrecks a marriage and talk about one that is so common in everyday life for people. Many times I would sit in sessions with people watching them do just what we're talking about today. I watched them work through this so many times in ways that were so destructive. And I've also heard so many stories about how this little marriage wrecker has gotten so out of hand that people don't even want to talk to each other anymore. In fact, many times this is what leads to somebody in exasperation saying, we can't go on like this. This isn't working out. I'm not happy. You're not happy. And then somebody suggesting that either you separate or divorce or do something about this. So what is this marriage wrecker? Well, you may have already figured it out. It's conflict. Conflict is that marriage wrecker that gets us into trouble. And you might say, yeah, but you know, every relationship has conflict. So let me differentiate two different types of conflict that can happen for you. Because we as humans often get ourselves into conflict, the problem is it doesn't work so well most of the time in life, but certainly not well in intimate relationships. So when we're talking about this, um, and I've talked with people about this so many times, they're like, well, that's just inherent in a relationship. So I want to clarify what I mean. There is the conflict that solves problems, but that's a whole different category 
than what happens most of the time. Let's be honest. How many times has a conflict itself solved an issue? Now, let me just say that there may be a time when you've been able to force something, or maybe let's make it more globally because this happens on a global scale. A country decides to solve an issue with conflict with another country. But what they've done is somebody has won and somebody has lost. That's kind of the equation where conflict can solve an issue. Somebody, or I'm sorry, can uh, get to a, uh, a point of uh, approving something. So let's go back a minute. There are two different variations of conflict. Conflict that proves a point, that gets to a resolution that one side wants, or conflict that solves the issue underlying. So th- let's talk about that as proves or solves. Now, I want you to think about instead of the global scale, because many times in the global scale and the bigger scale of conflicts, Somebody does have to lose, or some country has to lose, or some people have to lose, right? That's the nature of conflict. The loser pays the price. Now, in interpersonal relationships, many times I see that it's not so much the big conflicts of can I, can I force something through that cause problems, but the differentiation between solving and proving. So let's say that you're in a debate with somebody. You're having a conflict with someone about Pick a, a scary topic, religion or politics or you know, finances or whatever it is, and you're in a conflict with somebody. You're trying to prove your point, right? I mean, that, that's the nature of it. We're talking now about the places where it's not, you know, you're, you're not fighting each other, but you're just in conflict with somebody, often about an idea, and you're trying to prove you're right. How many times have you watched this play out with people? You know, they, they both believe that they are right and they keep asserting their viewpoint. And both people are somehow convinced that they're going to make a shift in this process. That's what we're talking about with a lot of the conflict that happens. So remember these two pieces, conflict that solves or conflict that proves. Let's just assert that the conflict that proves rarely gets us very far in life. So in life... Conflict is uh, a place where we protect a perceived self-interest, even if the self-interest is even an extension of yourself. For example, you might be defending in your mind a friend or a family member or a belief or maybe even a sense of justice, but the heart of the conflict is protecting that perceived self-interest or interest of something that you relate to the self. We've understand more and more in our studies of neurobiology that we attach to things around us and include them in our sense of self. For instance, you might have a, a, a identity with your phone, that your phone contains your life, right? And, and in some ways works as your brain's extension, so it becomes a part of yourself. But the same is true with loved ones around us. We include them in our sense of self, and that is also true with our belief systems, Whenever there is something that we feel is threatening ourselves or those around us that we love or ideas that we love, we often get into a place of conflict. So that conflict is there to protect or to gain. And how do we do that? Let's think a minute about how conflict often happens when people are caught in conflict. Sometimes we try to convince somebody. And convincing may be more run over them, but, you know, we try to convince them. And so you watch somebody have an argument where they pull out st- statistics and facts and 
opinions and logic and all kinds of things to try to overwhelm the other person. So the person says, oh, you're right. I mean, that's what we have in our mind that's going to happen, right? We're going to defend that idea and turn people either so that they are no longer a threat or that they are now on our side, except that doesn't happen very often. So the first thing we do in conflict to either protect or to gain is try to convince. The second thing is to really try to go after what you want, like grab for it, right? This is, this is the place where you're trying to get that gain and you do it almost by force. Just go for it, right? If, if there's something you want, just go for it. Always at a price of somebody else. Somewhere there's going to be a loser in that. Another way people often deal with that uh, conflict is to avoid it, to get out of the way of it, right? To pull the loved ones out of the way, to pull yourself out of the way, to pull back on beliefs or try to protect that in, and in a way that avoids the conflict. And sometimes people even do it as a way of protecting actively, right? And so conflicts sometimes get out of hand in that way because it becomes a physical altercation to protect it. So that's what happens in life. That's what happens with those who are threatening our sense of self, with threatening somewhere we have some perceived self-interest. But what about a marriage? Because now we've got an issue, right? Because in marriage, you are a part of each other's self. I identify my wife and my, her well-being as part of me, right? My spouse is part of my extended self. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about becoming a we. We're a team together, We're in this together. We're trying to move forward together. And so conflict as a way of protecting the self or getting ahead of moving forward suddenly comes at a cost of somebody who is a part of myself. So in marriage, I believe that conflict always has to be with a goal of progress, It's got to be in the service of the relationship, and then that changes how we go about it. See, suddenly, it's not about winning. In fact, it's not about convincing or protecting or taking from or anything else, because those are at a loss. There's a win-lose to that kind of conflict. But if we think of conflict as being a way to move forward then conflict doesn't necessarily have to be the damage that it's been before, but we have to go about it differently. So what is that progress? The progress is about either improving the relationship or improving the function of the individuals in the relationship. So when there's a struggle, it is to move the relationship forward or the functioning of each person in that relationship forward. So what is true is that whenever you put two people in an intimate relationship, as marriage is, there is no more intimate relationship than that, or should be no more intimate relationship than that. When you put two people together, are they going to have differences of opinion? Absolutely. Are they going to have different ways of going about life? Absolutely. Are they going to have different strengths that they bring to situations? Absolutely. And are they sometimes going to have clashes or places where they have disagreements with each other over that? Absolutely. Now the question is, can that conflict be managed in a way that it becomes about the progress of the relationship? Not can I get my way. Not can I force something through. 
Not can I make my spouse see things my way, but can we make progress in our relationship together? The progress is about the improvement of the relationship, about furthering the relationship or the function of the individuals or furthering the lives of the individuals, but not at the cost of the other. That's the thing that has to change here. Here's the problem, though. We don't learn those conflict skills growing up. So we don't change our conflict strategy with our spouse. We still go at it as a winner-loser. So if you think about it as a we, we're in this together, and I'm winning, you're losing, does that sound like a fair proposition? I mean, just to think about that, if you agree with me that a a marriage is about becoming a we, we're in this together. It's us against the world, and I don't even like the against part, but it's us standing together in life. It's us taking on life as a team of having each other's back. If you think that's the case, then you see the problem with conflict being about that place of winner and loser. Now, here's the heart of it. You and I have this deep wiring within our brain, and you've probably watched it many times in your life. You, you probably even know how to refer to it, but let me just give you some words if you don't. And that is that conflict triggers a fight or flight response if we're not careful. So in this, it's either about a survival of us or a win-lose proposition. So fight-flight is a primitive response deep within our brain and part of the brain that scientists often call the reptilian brain. Now, the reptilian brain is a part of the brain that we share with other creatures that crawl, slither, swim, and fly around us. It's very deep within us. We share that with the reptiles of the world even. And that's why it's called the reptilian brain. And it's only looking for the threats and how to respond to the threats. If you're walking up on a reptile, the reptile doesn't have any uh, of a response to you other than are you a threat or are you something that it can take on? That's, that's only two assessments. And so other animals also do that same assessment. Can I take you on or do I need to get out of the way? If I believe that I can take you on, I'll fight. If I believe that you're going to do harm to me, I'll flee. So fight, flight is my way of dealing with the threat coming at me. And when there is a conflict, that deepest part of the brain is what is automatically going to engage if we're not careful. It's the first piece that engages unless we have a different concept of what this conflict is about. And that's why we're talking about this. The reptilian brain escalates conflict. It's not about cooperation. It lowers our level of cooperation. Whenever we're triggered in a fight-flight response, we are not at the place of deciding to cooperate with each other. We're in conflict with each other. So conflict or cooperation, the separation point is often that fight-flight response that can get kicked in. Let's think about this at a lower level for a minute because you know what happens in that fight-flight response. It's when you get involved in a discussion where if you think you're going to win, you will push as hard as you can to win. And if you think you can't, you'll say, never mind, and back away. We all have those moments. 
So a low level of conflict in a relationship, we might call an argument. So what is an argument? Well, my simple definition over the years has been that an argument is two different people with two different opinions trying to convince the other that their own view is right. Now, just kind of imagine that. It's two different people with two different opinions, both assuming their way of seeing it is right and trying to convince the other person that their way is right. Generally, we hold to what we believe to be right. And so in our minds, as we're having the internal conversation, writing the script of this argument, we see how we're going to present our argument and the other person is going to agree with us and we're all going to now be on the same page, except for both people are having that same discussion, which means that neither person is on the script that you're writing in your head about how this is going to go. So when it doesn't go there, as people tell me, well, that didn't go the way I thought it would, that's because they thought they had the script of how it's going to go, and it doesn't go that way. Now they don't know what to do, because now they're lost, because neither person shifted position, likely. That's, that's the end of most arguments. Someone might say, okay, fine, you win, but they're not saying it because they actually agree. They just say it to get beyond it. So how do we make this shift then? Because arguments can happen all the time. It may be a difference of opinion. How do we make the shift? Conflicts can be bigger pieces about how are we going to move forward in life and who's right and who's wrong and all the other questions that we hold so dearly to us. How do we make a shift from conflict to cooperation? Let me suggest about four things that we can do to do that. The first thing to do is to ask, what is this conflict really about? Now, let me just preface this by saying, I'm not suggesting you ask the person you're in conflict with to answer that for you, because that's you trying to get them to see the error of their ways. But to ask that question of yourself, what is the conflict really about? Let me just propose that there are some pretty common things in a marriage that the conflict might be about. One is connection. When somebody feels like they're not getting the connection they want, they often are much more raw and much more easily pulled into conflict. The irony is conflict tends to be a disconnecting force if we don't use it to solve something. And yet that's how we respond when we're feeling the disconnection. We want connection, but we get into a conflict that almost pushes that connection away. Now, sometimes the conflict is really about an opinion. Maybe you voice an opinion about a TV show that you think is going to be shared by the other person or about politics or religion or you know, parenting ideas or lots of other things, and you think that you're on the same page. And the other person is willing to say, yeah, I don't see it that way. I don't agree with you on that. And suddenly our opinion is at risk. And because our opinion, we think that we should be seeing things just alike, when that happens, we feel some threat to the relationship. Now, this is where, as I talk about in Save the Marriage, uh, we are trying to live in a world of pseudo-intimacy. Pseudo-intimacy is a stage of intimacy. It's the beginning stage of intimacy where we are convinced that we see things just alike. So when somebody disagrees with an opinion, it threatens that, and we're trying to get back to that place where we're on the same page. But you never were on the same page. You just try to get the person back to that place. 
because that's more comfortable. It's an easier place when we all just agree. An opinion, though, is just that. It's an opinion. You've got a bunch. Your spouse has got a bunch. And the reality is there's probably not a right answer to a lot of those opinions. They are just that, opinion. So conflict is trying to get the person to be on your opinion rather than accepting that there are differences of opinion. And that's okay in almost everything in life. The question is, how do we understand our spouse? We often get caught between believing in agreement and understanding. I can understand where somebody's coming from, not necessarily agreeing with how they see things. I can listen to somebody who has a difference of opinion on me about anything and come to an understanding of why they see it that way. I may not agree, but oftentimes what we really want in life is just to be understood, not agreed with. So opinion is one of those places where conflict often happens. Sometimes the conflict is around a shift that needs to happen. Maybe there's somewhere in your relationship that's not balanced at this point that one or the other is having to put too much in or do too much at this moment or long-term, and there needs to be a shift. For instance, there may be a place where you say, you know, things have changed and how we take care of our lives together, I am requesting a change. Remember, we're now talking about some of those hidden expectations that may be haunting us, but you might be pointing to a place where there is a needed shift in the relationship. The problem is we do battle about that and make it a tug of war. Another area of conflict of where it's really about is often about hurt feelings, feeling misunderstood, feeling unheard, feeling uncared for. A lot of that hurt really is about the disconnection. But that's another place. And so to begin to look for what is this conflict really about, sometimes we pretend that the conflict is about the conflict, and it's rarely about the conflict. It's usually about something else. And so to ask that question helps us make a beginning shift. So what is the conflict really about? Can you name what it's really about underneath that? So then the second thing to do is ask, how can it be solved? Not debated, but solved One of the things I talk about in having a partnership meeting is treating the partnership meeting kind of like you would if you were in a business meeting at work, where you're solving the issues at hand. Sales are down. What can we do about it? Sure, that conversation might include looking at some things that didn't work in the past, but it's usually future-oriented. It's trying to problem solve. So then you put a couple together and they say, how are you doing? That's, that's one of my questions that you ask in a partnership meeting. So how are we doing? How, how are you feeling about us? And they might say, you know, I'm feeling a little disconnected. The next question is, what can we do to change that? But what most couples do instead is start arguing about the facts of it. One might say, well, we're not disconnected at all. The other might say, well, that's your fault that we're disconnected. The other might say, well, that's because of the fight we had last week. And they're off and running and looking for the reason for that. They go on what I call the archaeology dig. Let's dig up the old bones and figure out where this came from and who died in the process rather than how can we revive this, right? How can we build something from this? So ask the question, how can this be solved, Not how can we debate about this, not what conflict can we create out of this, but 
what can, how can this be solved? What would make this better? The third thing to do is focus on we in the decisions. Think about how that might be different. A lot of times people come in and they'll say, you know, I don't know what to do. I've got this job opportunity that I would really love, but if I take it, my spouse is going to lose out on this. If I don't take it, I'm going to lose out on this. And my, my answer to them or my suggestion to them is always to ask the question, so what's best for us? What's best for the we, for we together? Because many times what's best for us ends up being best for each individual too. It may not be the optimal of an individual apart from the relationship, but from within the relationship. So asking what is best for us can change the equation. What's best for the we? What's best for the relationship? It gives another lens to think from and often gives a creative place to step in. Now, the fourth and final thing is to always beware of the ego. The ego is the part of you that even if you don't want to admit to it, wants to be right at all costs. That decides it'll take down somebody, even if it's not good for the relationship, to prove a point just because the ego doesn't want to be wrong. Now, the ego is not much about relating. The ego is about appearance. It's not very deep. It's about appearance. How do I appear to my spouse? How do I appear to the world? I want to appear right, that I have the right opinion. As Richard Carlson used to say, you can either be right or you can be happy, but you can't be both. And it is certainly true around the place of conflict. If you demand to be right, I will guarantee you that your marriage will not be happy. The marriage wrecker is conflict. Not just conflict, period, but how you handle the conflict. Is the conflict there to prove your point, or is conflict there to solve a problem? If you need help with getting on board with that, of of getting to the place where you're on the same page, of you're creating a we, that is the point of the Save the Marriage system. It's all about how do you build a we from your best self, not from a mind meld where you lose your identity, but bringing your best self into the relationship so that the relationship has the best of both of you involved, creating a loving relationship you both would want. If you're interested in creating that, visit me at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. Grab the system and jump in. If you have the system and you need more coaching, we have that. You can check that out by going to savethemarriage.com slash coaching. That's savethemarriage.com slash coaching. And if you've liked this, I would love it if you would re- leave a review. You can do that by going to savethemarriage.com slash review. That's savethemarriage.com slash review. Let us know how we're doing. Let me know what's been helpful for you. Let us know how we can help you save your marriage. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you do the work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.